What up, guys? Welcome back to Off the Record, where we talk about whatever, whatever we, we want. want. And today we have our Ask an Expert segment, and we got Eric here. What's the proper way to introduce you? Money mentor? Yeah, money Fire. mentor. Tax advisor? Tax advisor, fractional CFO. Fractional CFO. Money therapist. Money therapist. Yeah. But for just accountant, right? That's accountant. the general. And you're good at fucking, you said. Yes, very good at it. <laughs> yeah. Very good at it. Good fuck. All those terms sound so complicated and yeah. intimidating. When I hear accountant, I'm like, I understand what that is. You're good <laughs> with numbers and yeah, money. But everything else, I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> But also with like those like professional terms, I also want to like get it right too. So that's what I was asking. That's true. Um, so I have a question, and I always wondered this, right? Just even till now, what is like? How much should I save up before I start investing or whatever? Because like now with everyone talking about stocks and crypto and whatever, um, I also get a lot of questions from fans, and they're like. Hey, I got like a thousand bucks. Should I like invest it? And, and, and what do you think is a good coin to get into? Or like, should I buy uh, Tesla right now? I know it's like I could buy it with a thousand bucks. And for me, I don't ever know how to answer that even for myself because I don't know when is the right time to get into investing and when I should be saving. You know, that's a really good question. I hear this question a lot. And so the challenge is right now is a lot of folks are obsessed with immediate gratification. They see the stock market pop and they see people making money on Tesla. And obviously on social media, people are only gonna tell you about their wins. True. And right now in the bull market, everyone's a winner, right? It's easy to say that you're an expert in crypto when crypto's gone up like AX from earlier this year. They're not an expert in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> same, thing no. like, same thing like in the stock market. Everyone made money this year, right? So everyone's an expert. So the challenge is when you're looking at investing, you wanna look at it from, you wanna look at it from two perspectives. If you're looking at get rich quick, that's a sprint. That's gonna be short term, high risk, probably not gonna be successful. But if you're looking to generate true wealth, you're looking at running a marathon, right? You're looking at the next 10 to 20 years. So that's when too you, far away. I don't got that long to live, man. <laughs> I need gains now. I got, I've got five years and I'm done. I got two years to buy a Ferrari, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> so let's say for example, you are looking for Let's say, for example, you are looking to make money relatively quickly, and relatively quickly, let's look at that as 24 months. Anything below that, that's really speculation. If you're looking at making, trying to make money in 24 months, to be honest, investing in the market, let's say, for example, you double your money in 24 months. You go from $1,000 to $2,000. That's not Doesn't really even get my dick spectacular. Hard. Yeah, you're not, you don't have a boner on that one. I've been in crypto since 2013. Nothing gets my dick hard except for extreme gains. <laughs> Which is unreal, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like our idea of what we expect is very unreal. Right, it is. And it's, it's hard to duplicate past success. It's like a drug. It is a drug. <laughs> but what if you've had four pretty good past successes? And you didn't cash out on any of them. But <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, what if you cashed out your principal though? So then you're just riding profit. I think it's pretty damn good. Hey, that is pretty good. So the, the, to go back to that, that question, if a person had a thousand bucks, in, in my opinion, and again, I am not like your specific financial planner, right? You want to see your normal guy or gal. Um, I personally would invest it in skills. I would invest it in utilizing some type of a skill or, or talent that will allow you to actually make more money. Because the mm. thing is, if you're trying to go from, to double your money, and you're going from $1,000 to $2,000, not really exciting. But if you're investing $1,000 into a program or a certification to teach you to be a welder or to lay carbon fiber or to be a programmer or to, 
I don't know, learn about social media. You can use that new skill set and make 50,000 a year, $100,000 per year, and then now you take that additional money and turn that into investable assets, right? Yeah. So uh, the challenge is a lot of folks, they see what's going on in the market, they want to put mo money into it. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with investing little pieces over time, dollar cost averaging, but you're wanting to go for the long haul. If you're looking at having a thousand bucks and you want to make money fast, I would invest it in one of your own skills. And that, that's so what they always like say. The first step investing is getting your, I guess, your occupation to a point that you're happy with the annual revenue. That's like the first step. Absolutely. The challenge that we have right now, especially in social media, if you go on YouTube, TikTok, everyone's talking about all, all these side hustles, right? I got seven streams of income because a millionaire's got seven streams of income. But if you don't have your number one stream of income locked down and making as much money you can in it, why are you gonna segregate your time and distract yourself by trying to pick up two or three more side hustles? Because you can't dance about the other ones. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I got exactly. one one job, but if you got seven, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. You can make TikToks about that. Yeah, you can only point to one otherwise. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do seven streams simultaneously. I would build the seven because it's like one, you do that well, you're getting like let's say a thousand bucks a month on this, and it's and it's now manageable to the point where you only work one day a month or something. So, but in the beginning to set that up, you're probably gonna work 30 days, you know, the whole month until it's ready and then you knock down how many days. And I think that's what they don't tell you about the streams of income, right? So like now we have multiple businesses and things, but they're all ran kind of part-time. Like for this channel, we work six days a month. And so with the income that we receive, it's because over the years from doing several years of nonstop work, We've able, we, were, we were able to manage it this way. And then when I see the, them talking about this, this, this multiple streams of income, I'm like, y'all are crazy, man. That's just overworking. <laughs> That's like seven jobs. Like, it's like you're working at the restaurant and after that, you're gonna go work at the bank and after that, you're gonna be a parking attendant. And then it's like, that's literally what the seven streams of income is. And Gary Vee told me to go to yard sales. So now I also gotta go there. <laughs> Damn. On the weekends. Do you think there's a, like a number, like a general number that people can be like, like, you know, like say 5,000 or save 2,000 or, or like, how would you come up with that number? Yeah, like at, let's say after you, you invest in yourself and you do get the, uh, your, your, I guess one stream of income strong, what's the next step towards investing now? Yeah. That's a really good question. So the next level up, now that let's say you have a strong stream of income and you're doing well with that and you wanna start investing, you wanna start looking at investing in things that are tax advantaged. Because anything you can do to save tax money is pretty sweet. You're getting like a bonus on putting money in. So if you're a normal person out there that's employed, you got a nine to five job and they offer a 401k with a match, I would invest as much as you can into that. And the moment you max that bad boy out, then you're like, okay, I have additional capital or additional money that I want to set aside and save. Why does 401k have a tax advantage? That's a good question. So when you look at the way society and tax structure is designed, they basically have societal constructs inside of it to incentivize you for doing certain things. That you'll get tax breaks for going to college. You have tax breaks for getting married. You have tax breaks for having kids. You have tax breaks for putting money away for retirement. So when you think of that, you're like, okay, there are certain incentives that the government's saying, hey, you should do. Right? Being an entrepreneur is probably one of the biggest tax breaks out there. So I recommend to all folks that if you have a side hustle, pretty sick tax break. So when it comes to 401k, the government knows, number one, if people start saving on their own, they'll be able to retire and not be 
straddled on holding on to Social Security for so long. We also understand that the challenge is a lot of us, especially if you're an S-Corp or you're an entrepreneur or you're a person working nine to five, you're paying self-employment tax, you're paying Medicare and Social Security. The reality is in 10 years from now, it's not gonna exist. So 401ks were designed back in the 80s because they kind of knew with actuarial tables that this stuff wouldn't exist anymore. So if they give you an incentive to start saving on your own now, you're not gonna have to rely on the government later to live on a retirement. Why not teach this shit in schools then if they want us to do it so bad? <clears throat> okay, so do you wanna hear the reality of it or do you wanna hear the conspiracy? Do you wanna hear the conspiratorial side of it? Oh. I love conspiracies. Oh, okay. So here's the challenge, and, and America is a really fascinating country that's been ba based and built upon this like this unicorn story of capitalism. But the problem with capitalism is America really isn't truly capitalistic. It's an oligarchy. It's an oligarchy, and we have socialism for the wealthy and the corporations, and then we have social we have socialism for basically the wealthy folks and personal responsibility for the individuals. They gotta pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Yeah, that's what they say all the time. Personal responsibility, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And all the big guys get the like, biggest Please, <laughs> print money for us. Right, right, so I was in this conversation with a friend of mine, and I have, I have friends from all walks of life. I'm a libertarian, like I'm pretty independent. I vote all across the board, right? So I had a buddy of mine, he started chatting with me about, and he had this specter of socialism. And I was like, bro, did you know that because of COVID and because of the tax cuts, corporations got over two and a half trillion dollars of of our our tax money preach right and so people are like oh socialism is so bad i'm like wait the these corporations got socialism but now when you hear of people in politicians saying hey we want to give the average people two thousand dollars suddenly it's socialism psych we want to give them fourteen hundred dollars yeah it's like fourteen hundred bucks to change that right yeah. the best today's video is brought to you by raycon wireless Ear buh, 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 buh. I've been using them because I was jacking off in the other room the other day, mm -hmm. and then Gio was like, yo, your porno is way too loud. So I was like, okay, I'll do it in private. So I put it on, no, I'm just kidding. No, it actually helps out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it helps out a lot because uh, we just moved our barbell office. Yeah. And so now we have a bunch of people working in there now. Mm. And so, you know, everyone's either like video conferencing or working or like listening to their own music. So it's good to be able to put those bad boys in and be zoned into my own world and work and watch what I have to watch. That's true because um, when I used to work in the office, I would just say, shut up. Yeah. Right, but then I realized that, that doesn't create a good working environment, yeah. and it doesn't make people feel good about themselves. So the best thing to do is use my Raycons, and I put it in my ear, and I listen to my own music while I tell them "shut up" in my own head. Yeah, and then I can focus on my work without bothering my coworkers. Yeah, and they work really good because they last for six hours, so you just gotta charge it once, and you don't have to like, oh man, you know, every time when you hear that goes pew 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 pew, and you're like, ah damn, I gotta charge it again. Oh you charge yeah. It once, yeah. Last the whole time. You don't have the wires all up in your freaking arms and getting tangled. It's mm -hmm. wireless. It works really good. It fits good. Mm -hmm. So when someone says Bart, you go, huh? It doesn't just fall out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you do the whiplash thing too, you go, huh? And then it falls out. Yeah, it stays in there. Yeah. And the cool thing is, you know, when you're like me and you're sweating at work because you're like working profusely yeah. and you have all your sweat like beads coming down, you don't electrocute shock yourself because mm -hmm. it's sweat resistant and water resistant. So Ooh. if you're working in the rain, like I do sometimes, because I like to double task, shower while running and working. And be eco-friendly. And be eco-friendly. Yeah, uh, I, I want to make sure that my earbuds are not going to electrocute me 
and thank goodness that these are water resistant. And they're half the price of the other premium audio brands. Oh, who there. cares about them? Raycon is offering 15% off all their products for you guys, and this is what you gotta do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash off the record, and that's it. And you'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash off the record. One more time, baby, 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 buyraycon.com slash off the record and get 15% off. So he, there, so there's a challenge and the, the way that our government was designed and the way our economy was built, it was literally built on the back of exploiting workers. Slavery was a big part of why America grew so fast. And that notion, that structure has, hasn't changed. Now we don't traditionally have normal slavery in America right now, but we have debt slavery. So we're taught in America to be consumerist, to buy more stuff we don't really need to impress people that don't really care about us, right? But what happens is we get- to grow our Instagram though. We, yeah, it's, it's all for social media, it's all for clout. I don't want to impress people, but I do want to buy things I don't need. Oh, yes, I love that. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I, hey, I I'm guilty. I want a dog car with Bart so we can have <laughs> horns that when we honk, it goes woof, 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 woof. I love that. Bark at each other over and over. But it's got to be a car. The, like the Dumb and Dumber car yeah. with the dog, yeah. I'll show you guys how to write that off. Okay. <laughs> but that, so that's the challenge is we have this, this effectively modern debt slavery. Now yeah. here's the thing that, the way that it works, right? In order for these large corporations to continue having the massive profits that they do, they have to continue exploiting workers and pay them as little as possible. So it keeps them almost like indentured servitude, but we feel like we're willingly making that decision. So by educating folks about finances, by educating folks about wealth, you're effectively chopping off the wealthy, the owner class of America from their, their ability to exploit workers. Because the moment you teach people about finances and tax and all that stuff, outside of calculus and outside of all these other things that aren't necessarily useful in today's context, that financial education is going to empower the average American. Yeah. And the challenge is when you start empowering average Americans, you start unifying people. Politics is all about bringing people apart. The further that they can pull us apart, the easier they're able to control the way that we do things. So your conspiracy, I have to say, this is such a conspiracy, is that Congress works to keep us all divided and financially stupid so that we can be better debt slaves. Such a conspiracy, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really buying it. So I'm not saying everyone in politics is like that. We have some really good politicians, but there's, there is this ongoing oligarchy. There is this ongoing ruling class. And, you know, people call it deep state, but they don't really understand what that is. It's really corporatism that has funded and basically backstopped Congress and the presidency and the Senate by lobbying dollars, by all these things. And by and large, they're able to get these special sweetheart deals that don't benefit American taxpayers. I mean, this stuff we we talk about a lot on this channel, as well as um, oh, we all the time, so we could just sit back and kick it. There's also <laughs> there's also clear evidence of politicians, you know, being a part of let's say deregulating oil or whatever, and then after they leave office. Guess what? They're one of the board members to Texaco or one of the oil companies or Chevron, right? And then you go, hmm, I wonder how that happened. And people are still fighting about all these issues that really don't help them, you know? And it sucks because I think they know exactly 
what the general public care about. Yes. And they know how to get people angry. And everyone out there, including us, we don't want to admit that we're getting played as a fool and the issues that we care about, the things that make us angry, uh, we really are fighting for, you know? And I think generally people have a good heart and they want to fight for what's right, not knowing that it's a distraction from- They're getting misled all the time and pulled in different no, directions. but no one wants to know they're getting fooled, yeah, right? Yeah. And then for us too, even though we might be a little bit more informed on the back end, we're still getting fooled as all well all the time and we're just like man how did that happen mm -hmm. i don't know and then and then you're going oh these republicans they're so dumb and then the republicans are these liberals they're so mm -hmm. dumb and it's like honestly man we're all dumb because we're getting fucked. but at the top yeah, the neoliberals and the neocons are doing the same shit they're doing the same shit the old school democrats and the old school republicans they play the game but that's a whole different uh thing that you know but every mr smith that goes to washington either has to join or they get kicked the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah, no one's working for the people. It's lip service for the people. But I guess it, I guess what I'm trying to say here, it all boils down to the system of this debt slavery uh, and money. And the way that we can all empower ourselves is to understanding how this money works because the more small businesses and the more empowered people there are, there's more competition for these corporations. For example, like when Walmart would come to these small towns, they will basically destroy the downtown and the small businesses. And that's only because the small businesses cannot compete with such a giant, like Amazon and all these guys can get the cheapest prices and all this stuff, right? So, but with money know-how, technology and whatever, it gives these little guys uh, a upper hand and we're able to see maybe in the future, we can go to things like Alibaba or whatever, even better, where small businesses can go direct and get cheaper prices and, and then that's how you can compete with Walmart or whatever. But without people knowing how to be an entrepreneur, I think it goes right back to, hey, I only have an option of working at a company. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. It takes a special kind of crazy person to want to be an entrepreneur. A lot of folks, they work in the jobs that they do because they feel like they need that stability. They need that title. And that's just part of their identity. So there's nothing wrong with not being an entrepreneur. But that being said, like I firmly believe that entrepreneurs are like the one of the biggest changes in the like biggest changes for good in the world. Because if you look at nonprofits, they really can't do too much. And they have high administrative costs and you go to the charity advisor or guide star, whatever it is, and you can see that a lot of them have these expenses and they don't really provide a lot of services. And the government really can't provide much either because they have to span this large swath of folks. Whereas entrepreneurs, like I've advised and I've, I've guided a lot of entrepreneurs and I've seen a lot of them too, move into like a for-purpose model where they're still wildly profitable, mm. but because of their profits, they're able to designate a portion of it to their favorite charity. Or favorite like church. ethical business, like yeah. Tom's and stuff like that. Which is really big. I have another theory for the entrepreneur thing, right? Like I, we make less than what, 3% of the workforce or whatever, right? But then I know the system of large corporations and working is an, actually a new thing in human history where most of human history, it's at, it's been, Aside from the whole, like, um, you know, like, like where warlords and kings basically enslaved the people, like once for the most of American history, it's been small farms and small businesses running a lot. Right. Or like, so our ancestors were essentially entrepreneurs 
and this new system of working for corporations is a new working system. So they created a really good branding of stability and safety. You work for this company, but how often do people get laid off, fired, companies go down? And then so like they say, oh, it's, I'm so stable working in this job, but it's like they're immune to accepting that, hey, you got fired. That's instability right there. That's the same thing as losing your business, but they don't see that as, oh, I lost my job. Oh, I'll just find another one. You know, it's this, I don't know. To me, it's more of a, what do you call it? Like a perspective thing. So entrepreneurship feels scary and difficult because it's so foreign, but humans have been doing that more than working for a company, I think. So what would you say now, that what was, I guess going back to the original topic, what is like the second step into investing? Is there a certain amount that people, so you, you have your job, you have your IRA or your 401k, uh, is there like a, and then you have money left over from that, then you, start investing that? Yeah, that's what I would do, right? So the challenge that a lot of us have in America, because we see all these, we have all these consumers tendencies, is to start living below your means. So let's say for example, you're making five grand a month, 60 grand per year. And after tax, you're taking home 3,500 bucks a month. Now at that point, a lot of folks, they end up trying to live a 70,000, $80,000 a year lifestyle, at least in the Benz and buying the, the, the Chanel purses and the, the Rollies and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because we all like nice stuff. I love fast cars and stuff like that. But the challenge is when you live above your means, you're riding on credit, which is basically what America is doing right now. We're like, I think like 30 some trillion dollars in debt, which is ridiculous. Now, if you start realizing that consumerism and buying stuff you don't really need is effectively bleeding you dry and you start changing your spending habits. And I'm not saying like, don't buy the latte and don't enjoy the latte because we should all enjoy like what we've, what we've achieved. But if we start changing how we bleed our money out, that should free up monthly cash that you can put aside for yourself. And the biggest thing- So controlling your expenses. Controlling your expenses, yeah. And the biggest thing is start putting the vision in your head of why you're doing it. Because it's easy to start doing it when you're all motivated and you hear other people doing it, you're super motivated about it. But then motivation is fleeting, it, it dies off. And so anything you can do to make it an automatic withdrawal or an automatic deposit to a savings or into a, an investment account, a wealth front or whatever, is probably the most powerful way of doing it. Because if it comes out of your bank account, out of sight, out of mind, you pretend you don't have it, and it just automatically go into your bank account, just set aside what you can afford and you feel comfortable doing. And then when you see the little gains from your $100 a month, your $200 a month, your $300 a month, and you start seeing the gains from it, like, man, I wanna put a little bit more aside. And then you start actually building true wealth that way. The whole idea of investing is a lot of folks think that you need a ton of money to do it. No, you need a little bit of money over a long period of time. And you have good habits. Yes. I, I think what you just described is just forming a new good habit for yourself. I had this app that just deposited like 20 bucks a week for me. And then I opened it the other day and it had like 1400. So I was like, oh shit. And I sent it to buy Ethereum with it. <laughs> you got one. What Ethereum. Hey, that's coin. Good job. Yeah, so first, stable income. Second, if you're going to invest, do it in something that is a, uh, a tax uh, benefit kind of thing. I have what's called a SEP IRA, uh, and for me, I can max that out, with, and, and it gives me a discount on tax. And this is what's called like pre-tax money. So business owners, we get taxed at the end of the year versus someone who is an employee who you get 
taxed, and then you get your paycheck. So uh, what I get to do is I get to put my pre-tax money into this account, and then I, uh, when I retire, I can you know get it. But as it grows over the years, because it's you know putting it into stocks and things like that, the money grows, and that's kind of how I'm investing. And then after that, I don't invest. I gamble. <laughs> we all do a little bit here. Yeah. Take on gambling. So gambling can take a lot of different perspectives, right? A lot of folks crypto need... gambling. So okay, yeah. So when you invest in crypto, um, I use the word invest very loosely. Understand it is still very speculative. So yeah. you don't want to put anything into the crypto markets that you don't need to worry about. Right? That you, if you have a fear. Do we zoom in on Joe's face right now? <laughs> well, you know, the problem is I don't worry. <laughs> He's stoic. Because, like, the crypto markets are really effectively a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. They're and fun. They're fun. <laughs> oh, you're talking to some roller coaster riders, my friend. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about that next. We should.